Yes, welcome back. Yeah, oh yeah, like that. <laughs> Doing it at the same time, Chris. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Paid Search Podcast. Oh, welcome back to my podcast. <laughs> my name is. I'm not sure I want to say my name right yeah. now. <laughs> I'll okay. say it anyway. Say my it. name is. It's too late. Too late at this point. My name is Jason Rothman. As always, I'm joined by the great Chris Schaefer. Chris, how is it going today? Uh, it is a beautiful Thursday, um, and uh, the sun is shining. And as I always say, no better place I would prefer to be than staring at a screen inside uh, talking about Google Ads. So I'm very glad to be here. Oh, it's good to have you, Chris. Uh, we're doing our Thursday shows. We love them. A lot, they, the first one came out last week, got a lot of good feedback. Everybody listening, uh, send us your questions, PaidSearchPodcast.com on the contact page. Chris? Some of the questions today, we've got some screenshots, very mm. helpful, very cool, mm-hmm. very interactive. And uh, going forward, we will figure out a way to set up an email account or something like that to uh, get advanced questions. But for now, uh, contact page at paidsearchpodcast.com. And we appreciate you guys leaving us ratings, reviews, and sharing the show so we can go two days a week now. Yeah. Things are growing. Uh, you guys are subscribing, listening, sharing, and you're also checking out our um, very important sponsors. Uh, longtime sponsor of the show, Optio. You hear me talk about it all the time because it's a great tool, a great software to get things done faster in Google Ads. You need decisions made. You know, I, I, one thing that we talked about. Um, a lot lately is, you know, being a solution provider in, in Google ads, you know, having answers to questions that haven't been asked yet. And the difficulty of doing that is to know what questions to ask, you know, like, what do you think about? What do you look at? What's the problem? And that's often what, um, Jason and I have to address all the time is finding solutions to questions that we didn't even know, you know, were a problem until you investigate it. So you want, software to help you investigate, to help you dig in, to get more out of Google ads. You know, you take a small investment, put it into a software at optio.com slash PSP, try it out for six weeks, uh, sign up for their great software. You've made a small investment now. You know what it's going to get back? It's going to give you back the questions that you can have answers to. It's going to point you to things. It's going to highlight things that you did not know were important. You didn't realize, oh my goodness, I have this ad copy and it's killer. It's really good. I, I need to uh, break this out. I need to test it. You know, this keyword has historically strong metrics. I need to put more bids into this. All kinds of answers to things that could be super valuable for you. So, Check it out at opteo.com slash PSP. You get a six-week extended trial. All you can do is just hit the chat box, tell them, hey, sign me up. I'm a listener here at the Paid Search Podcast, and they'll do it, and you get a six-week extended trial. So we appreciate their sponsorship, and uh, we appreciate our listeners so much that we're going to do what so few people do. We're going to listen to them. We're going to listen to our listeners, and we're going to answer their questions. And uh, Jason, you want to take this first one uh, from beautiful, all the way across the world, England? Yeah, definitely. The first question is from Jay in London, England. And just for new listeners of the show, we have our Monday episodes where we dig 
extremely deep into the Google Ads platform and other search engine marketing topics. And then Thursday, we answer your questions. So we got two episodes a week now. So first question comes from Jay from London, England. Hi, guys. I hope you are both well. Question mark. Yes. First question answered. That was the first question of the show. Yes. Doing well. Thanks. Okay. I would like to say, first of all, that I love watching the show. We have a YouTube channel. A lot of people listen to this show. A few people watch it on YouTube, and we appreciate you guys subscribing there. I love watching the show, and I think you are both very talented at what you do. I haven't seen you do a video on invalid clicks, so I was hoping you had some insight on this. I run an online business and sell my services globally, and I have noticed a lot of click fraud happening on my account, especially in Ashburn, USA. Okay. Good old Ashburn, Ashburn. Get getting that international <laughs> reputation there. He's, from, the he's from England, and he's like calling out across, across think, the world. I think Ashburn is North Carolina, maybe. Sounds like it, yeah. But uh, it's definitely being thought about over there in England. <laughs> I have excluded Ashburn from my locations, but I'm still getting clicks from there. Okay, we have... We're, we're going to have to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, and a few other locations like Vancouver. Vancouver part of Canada. I think I can speak for all 330 plus million Americans where I say, I wish we could take Vancouver. Don't you, Chris? Yeah. Like that'd be nice to have in our portfolio of cities. Yep. So I wouldn't have to have a passport to go there and just go when I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I, you know, and I think Canada, we can work out a deal. We we're no, we don't have to take it. We can buy it. Buy it. Yeah. $30,000. Give us Vancouver. Yeah. That's a you deal. You don't like that? It's a deal. Yeah. I mean, we're reasonable here. Just throw back a counter off, you know? <laughs> but yeah, Vancouver sounds very beautiful. And uh, I'm, I'm glad it's in Canada. And we're so, we got a great neighbor to the north there. So around 30% of my daily budget is going on invalid clicks. Mm. Mm. Chris, you looking for a new client? <laughs> oh, burn. <laughs> this sounds this sounds like a, this sounds like a problem. Uh, trouble account. Chris, Chris. <laughs> Chris, I know it's I know it's uh, early there in the United States, but what accent is that? And I am not I am you... no I am not from London originally. Chris. Oh, I, I see. am from where this accent is from. Where is it? Okay, I don't know. I was trying. It's... I was. I don't know where this Western, accent is from, but I can't like think of Eastern Europe something. I can't. Th- oh my God! I can't think of an English accent. Bro. I can't do it today, Chris. All I can do is Montreal. Okay, I'm guessing. Wow, we I'm guessing. Get focused. We're gonna get through this first question. It's gonna happen. Let's go. Let's go. Spank me. Okay, I'm guessing it's mainly from competitors and maybe bots. I would like to just know how you guys deal with click fraud. Do you use any softwares? Uh, some of these third-party click fraud companies charge this per month. Please, I would really appreciate your thoughts on this matter. Thank you, Chris. Mm. <laughs> Okay. I am from London by way of, I don't know, I've, it's been so long I forgot where my accent came from, <laughs> but it's what's coming out of my mouth today on my podcast. I usually like your accents. I can't do accents, so I'm usually highly entertained by people that can. I can't do accents except Texas. Yeah, that sounds like my buddy Joe. That's very familiar. Sounds like my buddy Joe. Okay. I don't. Okay. All okay. right. I'm, I'm done. Get mad I'm done. Right. All right. I'll walk away. Chris, click fraud. What do you think is going on here? Very interested in your thoughts. Yeah, I I, I pulled this question and and put it right to the top because I think that we have not talked about it. Jason, I know it is 
absolutely something that you have opinions to share on. I know that you deal with it. I deal with it. Uh, but I think, you know, it really... You know that I deal with it? Oh, yeah. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. You know that I... Oh, I do. Because... Oh, because I don't. Okay. Well... Oh, well, I, uh, it's not what I call fraud. It's what I call not a problem because they get removed. So uh, well, I'll, I'll give... There yeah. you go. That I guess we... But All right, let's break this down. First of all, click fraud. Click fraud. What's your experience with it? Are you getting clicks on your clients' accounts where you don't think it's natural activity and you're ticked off and there's more spend coming in than you think you're getting clicks for, real clicks? Does that happen to you? Um, yes, absolutely. Okay, happens to me too. Now, the question is, is that from crazy people doing uh, who knows what they're doing with uh, softwares or anything like that? Or is that from people who click an ad, go to a website, go back to Google, forgot they clicked the ad, click the ad again, go to the website, accidentally click twice? Is it from some guy who got mad and goes click, 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 and it, it builds up like 10, 20 clicks? It's a competitor or something? What are you seeing when you, when we're saying, quote unquote, we see this? So I see it on two different levels. I see it on a normal everyday kind of uh, thing where click fraud is tracked in my account. And I see, I can see, if you don't know, you can add a column and see invalid clicks. It's no longer called click fraud because that, that doesn't sound good. It's now. They used to call it that? Yeah, used to call it uh, click fraud, uh, but now it's invalid clicks. Really? Yeah. Interesting. They, well, I don't know if it was click fraud, but it was a different name. It was much more like it, it sounded scary. Now invalid clicks yeah. doesn't sound as scary. But now it's, you know, it's invalid clicks and you can see that percentage. And we'll get to that in a second about the percentage and stuff like that. And the fact that we even have that number to look at, but it's a real column. And so typically, I'd say in 80% of my accounts, um, I see low numbers, 10%, 5%, you know, 1%, you know, it, 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 it very small. And then I have the other side of things where certain industries, may, maybe it's not even certain industries. I don't know. It may be certain areas, certain, you know, all it takes is maybe, you know, the wrong person that you're competing against. And then I see, and uh, I'll tell you the industry that I'm thinking of in particular, I have one client that I get like 60 to 70% invalid click percentages. Now the question is, Chris, why are you even running ads on you know that client? Why would you even, you know, it sounds like you know, what a waste. You know, that's horrible. The guy's like basically eating up all the budget. Let me explain why this is not on my radar, why I don't even really talk about it with a client, even though I'm aware that it's happening. It's because of the fact that I have the column. The fact that I have a column that shows me that Google detects a 60 to 70% click-through, uh, invalid click percentage, tells me that they're aware of it. And that's the number one thing that's useful to me is the fact that they are showing it. If they're tracking it and they have that high of a percentage, it would be really concerning if we had a huge issue and they showed 1% or Z or they, we didn't even have a column. But the fact that we have the number puts me at ease because it's there. And then you want to know, well, but we're, we're wasting money. We're, we're spending money. Like it's, it's, it's eating up my budget. No, it's not. Go into your billing, look at your billing and you'll see that what happens is on the ones that are tracked. Now we can talk about the ones that aren't tracked and maybe ones that slip through, but uh, that's a different discussion maybe. But the ones that are tracked, which I would say is 99% of the time, I'm pretty sure they have this under wraps. It refunds the money. Some of it 
is instant. Others it doesn't even get in there. Yeah, it doesn't, it get doesn't in there. even pull out of your budget. You just get clicks, and then they'll drop back down, and then they'll do a whole bunch more, you know, invalid clicks to pop up, and it'll drop back down. It happens dynamically. You don't even see it unless you were to be watching this live, you know, on your screen. You would see it up and down, up and down, because they just wipe it from your account and they just track it in the invalid clicks. So. It's credited to you when it gets through their system and they realize it afterwards and then they push it back into your credit card and, and well, not back into your credit card, but they credit it back into your account. So in the end, long story is it's a non-issue, even for the clients that are hitting 60 to 70%. And, and what Jay's talking about here is half of what I'm talking about. He's talking about 30% of his daily budget. I'm talking about 60 to 70% is, is showing up. So, Well, Chris, so just some things. Invalid click column. I'm, I'm looking at Google's help article. We'll link to it. When Google determines that clicks are invalid, we try to automatically filter them from your reports and payments so you're not charged for those clicks. If we find that invalid clicks have escaped automatic detection, you may be eligible to receive a credit for those clicks. Those credits are called invalid activity adjustments. So the first filter is the clicks get moved from the clicks column over to invalid clicks and you do not get charged for invalid clicks. So who cares what number's in there? You don't get charged for them. And on the help article, it even says, what are invalid clicks? They're clicks on ads that Google considers to be illegitimate, such as unintentional clicks or clicks resulting from malicious software. So does this mean if someone's doing some serious shopping and, and searching for a, a service or product and you get two clicks on one impression, do you have a beef? No, you probably don't have a beef. That's going to happen every now and then. Yeah. It's just weird, but it happens. Three clicks on two impressions. It just happens. I've, I have situations on high volume accounts where it doesn't happen all the time, but every now and then I may get 14 clicks on one impression. And I go, wow, that's a 14,000 or whatever it is, click through rate, something's or 14, whatever it is, something's crazy. And then what happens? I just wait 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I refresh those clicks. It goes from 14 down to one click on one impression and 13 of those get moved over to invalid clicks and I don't get charged for them. And so it does happen where people click on your ads or there's some kind of malicious software, but Google catches it. Now there's another resource we're going to link to it's called traffic quality and Google has a whole kind of mini website about invalid activity and advertiser fraud. It's a great resource for all the professionals out there dealing with this with, with your clients, send your clients to this link. It really helps explain what's going on. Now, a couple more things to put you at ease. If this was a real problem, Google, a trillion dollar market cap company would be wiped out. Yeah. Google could not exist if this was a real problem. So what do they do? They spend a ton of money, a ton of talent figuring out how to solve this. And they have. From my experience, they have. When people click on ads illegitimately or there's some kind of weird software is running, they catch it, they move it to invalid clicks, you don't get charged. If you have a serious beef and you have 14 clicks on two impressions and they don't get moved over to invalid clicks, in the past I've called support and I've reported that, sometimes I get... A credit sometimes I don't but in the last few years I have not run into that issue hardly at all when this happens it gets moved over to uh, invalid clicks a couple more things Chris 
exclude IP addresses, knowing how to do that at the campaign level, when you're getting traffic to a website, um, you can do that. If you just have a problem with certain IP addresses, you can exclude IP addresses in a Google ads campaign. And then when Jay was talking about getting clicks from Ashburn, excluding Ashburn, make sure you exclude people in or searching about Ashburn, or just make sure it's even on people in Ashburn. I don't understand how you could still get clicks there from a Google ads campaign. If you're excluding it, maybe it's coming from a different source. I'm not sure, but Chris, overall, it seems like a problem temporarily because you see that click-through rate shoot up, that invalid looking activity, but it's not a real problem because it gets moved to invalid clicks and Google solves this. Now, there's been one time over hundreds and hundreds of clients where it got so bad that I couldn't work for the client and he stopped advertising. I'm not going to name the industry because honestly, I'm scared that if I did, anytime I'm out walking, I'm a family man, I'm a businessman, I'm a good member of society. But I wouldn't be surprised if these guys came up with the silencer behind my head and killed me in the street. <laughs> like this is this is the most dirty industry I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I'm not going to name them because I don't want to die. And I could name them. It'd be entertaining for the show. We get more traffic on this episode. But that's mm. not worth – that's worth a lot. I'll do a lot for – a bigger audience and growing the show. You know that Chris, yeah. but I'm not going to risk my life. Aww. So I'm not going to name the industry, but I've only seen it be a problem one time. Why was it a problem, Chris? Yes. Invalid clicks got moved over. Yes. I'm sure the ratio was really high and it got moved over, but it was a problem because it was an onslaught. And this guy would try to run his hundred, $200 day budget 30 minutes into the day. It would be over. And if he wanted to try to do the cycle of invalid clicks, it just, it was out of hand. So I've only seen it be a real problem once, um, but educate yourself, invalid clicks, the ad traffic quality uh, kind of mini website. And I think most people would agree this is not not something you're going to run into um, in the Google ad streets. Then again, there's been one industry, but then again, I can't name them because then again, I value my life. So that's kind of our, I think that sums up our thoughts on um, invalid clicks. To sum it up, Chris, I would say, would you agree with this statement? It can be a little bit frustrating. It will not damage your budget because there's an invalid click column. The best thing an advertiser or professional can do, educate yourself on what's going on. But as long as you're educated on it, it's not really a, not really a problem we run into. Yeah. Would you think that's nope. fair to say? I think that's true. I, th- I okay. think, uh, cool. I think uh, yeah. I think when it comes down to it, I mean, there's probably isolated incidents when it's a problem. But I think overall, Google has it wrapped up. I think you said it best. How could Google be what it is if their entire system is... Was susceptible to this at any level. And the other thing, it's easy to catch. Like, clicks come from IP addresses. They come from however Google knows about browsers or whatever they know, which I don't know what they know, but they know a lot, obviously. So it seems like a pretty easy problem to stop. So, And there's also a motivation problem. Like, if you're in an industry, say a local service industry in one city in the United States, and you have a competitor, like, are you really going to like spend millions of dollars coming up with a resource that Google can't detect, like, or has trouble detecting initially? No, you're not because you don't have that kind of money. You're just going to be a dumb competitor that's been drinking during the day at his workplace, been drinking, who would do that? And he clicks on a few ads and because he's frustrated. And then Google sees that click-through rate go nine clicks on one impression. And then 20 minutes later, they move it over to the invalid clicks column. And by the way, maybe they stop serving your ad to his IP address that day because they've seen something going on. Who knows what kind of algorithms they have going on. So Yeah. I mean, my goodness, we don't even, we can't even figure out quality score. 
you know, like the key that drives everything. How can we possibly figure out what's going on with click fraud, invalid click stuff? You know, there's a lot. A thing that threatens Google's right. enterprise. You're like, you want to make the people at Google mad? Yeah. Like, threaten, threaten their, their money. Yeah. Threaten this machine they've created. <laughs> they will crush you yeah. like a bug. So yeah. it's, yeah. Now, Chris, but Jay's sitting over there in England. He goes, oh, damn it. It is a problem. Like, what would you say to him? Like, I guess I would say just go through the steps we talked about. Look at excluding IP addresses, look at excluding locations, and check out that invalid clicks column and see how many clicks you're actually paying for each day. And if it is still a problem, then you got problems. But I don't know. I, I just ha I've only seen it once in, in the years I've been doing this. Yeah. Uh, so Jason, speaking of the a very uh, very affordable landmass that we could purchase for a great rate, please send a second uh, offer on that. Uh, send an offer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bruce from the great uh, country of Toronto, Canada, sends in this question. He says, good afternoon. I've been enjoying your podcast archives for over the past six plus weeks. How do you build ad copy and come up with effective Google approved ad copy regularly? My service is an inbound marketing agency aimed at software as a service company. Okay, so SaaS companies. My current ad copy sends traffic to an unbounced landing page to offer a lead magnet. I wonder if you should try a more direct approach, like uh, email us for a quote. Or sorry, if, if I should try a more direct approach, like email us for a quote, something like that. So he wants to know, you know, I think the main question he's asking is, you know, how do you build ad copy and come up, you know, with, with good stuff on a regular basis? What's our process? What's our, what's it look like for us? Jason? What you got? Yeah, that's that's what I want to. So I think, Chris, very quickly, we can sum up how, like, generally what the mindset is when coming up with ad copy. But then what I want to hear from you is what your process is when you're testing out ads. How do you do that? So just to sum up how I think about ad copy, uh, just some ideas for you. Look at what your competitors are doing on their ads and their websites. Can get a lot of good ideas that way. Look at what other advertisers are doing in other industries. You sell inbound marketing for software as a service companies. Google Moving Companies Toronto. See what moving companies are doing with their ads. Google uh, Roofing Companies. Just see what people are doing with their ads in other industries. You can get ideas that way. It's all about persuasion. Read Influence by Robert Cialdini. Apply those principles to your ad copy and landing pages. Listen to your customers for pain points and ideas. Chris, you and I, we don't search, I don't think, a lot for like Google Ads topics and read a lot of blog articles about no, there. No, not really. Um, but one thing I do actually get a lot of value from doing that, when you can Google something like how to come up with Google Ads ad copy, I have found a lot of ideas and inspiration just in the random blog articles out there. So you can search for that, look for help that way. And then my final two points are, we'll talk about this when we talk about the process, but focus on headlines. And then the biggest one, throw a lot of stuff at the wall. But the thing is, test, test, test over and over and over. Get those winning ads. Try to get some real winners. And then just test new ads against them. Try a lot of stuff. So, Chris, do you have anything to add or any beefs with my general thinking about ad copy? And then, yes or no, still get into how you actually do it when you're managing ads and testing ads on an account. Yeah. No, I think I think those are all great suggestions. I, I think uh, I, I agree with all of those. For my answer to Bruce, um, I want to get really detailed about what it looks like, you know, like what that process looks like. And for me, let's start first with the different ad types, because now we have 
for search. Sure, great point. Let, let's talk about the two different types. And I love what Google has. I appreciate what they do, but I have a beef with the uh, responsive search ads. I I feel like they're missing the most absolute vital key information that could make the tool so much better to all of us. And it's the fact that I can't see a click-through rate percentage on a responsive search ad. Now, Chris, they will show you once you start getting data on a responsive search ad, which headlines work best. Yeah, they show you percentage. Low. Yeah, great, great, great. I'm not a freaking dummy. You want that click-through rate. I babe. want I yeah. want to see, because they already show me which one they show the most. This one's shown 24%. This one's shown 20%. This one's shown 18%. You know, it, it shows which headlines and which which. But variations. they also give you a, a value on it, like good, best. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But what I want to know is, I want to know what combination is the best of the best. You know, why are so you... So are you doing a lot of it? Are, are you primarily expanded text ads? Right, like, right. Where you so control everything? What I okay. like to have is I will use at certain points in the campaign process, um, I will use responsive first search ads, but it is not at the beginning. The beginning of a campaign, our ad group that I build, I will start with um, expanded text ads, standard, normal, fully controlled text ads, because I want to test... Typically, three different ideas. I know I'll, um, you do SaaS, you know, so uh, if, you, if you want to do services, uh, software, or software as a service, the big thing that's going to make a difference for, for industries like that is, what happens if you put the price in? That's one of the first questions I want to answer. So I'll put key information that is very different from what other people are doing. What if I put on... One of my ads, I put in headline two or even headline one, I put blah, blah, software starting at $10 a month, you know, something like that. You know, I put that in the first headline and I push that. And then the other ones don't include anything about software. They have an emotional push. They have something like that. So that's what I start with is I start with expanded text ads. Then um, from there, once I have an idea of what I like, I might throw the uh, responsive search ads in there, let that run, see how that might work. Sometimes it might be a better click-through rate. I look at that, I try and interpret the the broken, broken system that kind of tells me what I want to know. And then I might pause it and do my own purposeful test with another three to see how that works. But I constantly try new things and I use all the tools in there that I can as best I can. Now, as far as coming up with new copy, coming up with new ideas, usually what I like to do is I like to to stop focusing on what the, uh, you know, I'll do things where uh, if I start running ideas about what what I want to push on the person searching, you know, instead I want to say like, best software out there or get results quickly, you know, stuff like that. Instead, I'll start focusing on features and benefits, which is essentially endless. Okay. And this comes from search terms. This comes from what's on the landing page. So for example, the software as a service, you might be selling to um, haircut places that want to, you know, book things, you know, all their different franchises can book things with this software and they want to buy a, a booking software, change booking softwares. One thing I might put is um, a feature or benefit of what that software does for that particular vertical, that particular industry. That's a pain point. And you'll often see that in the ad copy, or excuse me, in the landing page copy. Um, that you're pointing people to, or in the search terms that the people are searching, they'll tell you what's important. They'll say, 
uh, hair salon software that or hair salon software for or you know booking right, software or like for. ask your client what what problems does your hair salon software solve for your customers and then that can be some so then when someone searches hair salon software yep, yep. you can have that kind of ad copy that catches their eye like oh that's why i'm searching yep. for software in the first place and i because i have this problem i i try a contrast between you know blatant just put the price on there i try contrast between em, blatant emotional pushes um, and then I try blatant differences between benefits or features of the product. If, if I'm constantly changing things and considering those different aspects, I always have new ad copy. And Bruce, I'll say, based on the way you asked your question, um, we edited the question a little bit because we don't necessarily have an answer to the way that you phrased it specifically. But it sounds like from your original question, it sounds like you're trying to find a formula. It sounds like you're trying to apply a certain standard that you can put into your process. I got news for you, Bruce. Uh, writing ad copy is the biggest grind in Google ads that there is. Coming up with keywords, coming up with... Grind? Uh, yeah. It is, it, I spend, grind. Yeah. I spend Whoa. longer grind. in Google Whoa. writing ad copy... Than I do coming up with keywords because you have to be. Well, I think creative. it. I think it. It depends on. Well, that's why I love it. I guess that just breaks down. It, it kind of is like a personality thing. Like, yes, I will agree with you, Chris. Coming up with three to four ads for every single ad group for a, depending on how many ad groups you have, it can be a little bit uh, intense when you're building out a campaign from scratch. My favorite part of ad copy, Chris, is when you've been running for a while and you're just throwing in new copy to try it out and you see something that catches your eye and then you throw it in there. That's when I love ad copy. When things are running and you get a creative idea or you see someone else doing something and you're like, oh man, I want to try that. Boom, 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 jump in there and, and uh, fire one off. So I yeah, it is a creative process. Chris, I would say one piece of advice don't do ad copy if you're not in the mood to do it. Like oh. if you're building out a campaign <laughs> yeah. and you, you've been doing the settings, you've been doing the keywords, the bids and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And you're a couple hours in and it's late in the day and you're like, now I'm staring at 100 ads over like 10 ad groups or, or 30 ad groups, whatever. I would say wait till the next day. You got to be in a, uh, that kind of creative mm. mood to do it. Yeah. Would you say that's fair, Chris? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the that's i think that's a whole nother topic maybe for our patreon is uh doing things at the appropriate time because time, some of the yeah. heavy lifting stuff creative stuff can't be done at at 4 30 in the afternoon when you're tired and you've put you know all your energy into the previous eight hours so yeah that's a that's a great point chris uh another like ad copy the thing about it is you can just try stuff and see what works you never know what's going to work so i just searched hair salon software and there's a lot of like basic yeah. copy, like yes. number one software. So freaking boring. Uh, yeah. Award, like, yeah. Uh, look no further. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> why? Top why is software. it? That's the thing. Like, why is it number well, Chris, one? Here's you know, the thing. why is it the I, best? I was looking at that at the same time as you were going on with your beautiful presentation about ideas and pain points and features and benefits and stuff that the other people aren't showing. Now, I was laughing to myself because, yes, all that is great advice and you want to do that. However, if I got in there and I threw on an ad that said number one salon software <laughs> and it got a it got a better click-through rate by a multiple, I would not be surprised if that happens. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Sometimes you never know what's going to work. So don't be highbrow Madison Avenue madmen fancy about it. 
be fancy about it, but also have an ad in there that just says, no, like, if you can't say it in your industry or whatever, number one software for salons, see what the click-through rate is like. You never know. Maybe too much of that hairspray is getting into the head and of the salon owners, and they're like, number one? Is it really number one? <laughs> I'll, click? I'll tell you. Oh, how do I purchase? Purchase? You know, there, Maybe that's there's something to be about. said about a lot of people and the way they interpret Google. You know, we're in the knowledge of what we're looking at. We realize that's a paid ad, and someone wrote that, but... One thing you can't forget. It depends on the day these days, yeah. Chris. When I'm on my phone, it's sometimes I'm like, oh, that must be, that's just a listing. Yeah, and you, and just, like, you just click. Oh, you wait, know, that was an ad. Yeah. Well, yeah. nowadays, I'm in the you know, a lot of people that aren't in the knowledge of this don't understand how it all works. You can write an ad as if they're reading it thinking that Google is personally recommending this to them. I've seen a lot of success at times when when you write an ad in such a way that implies sir google see you know you have an account on google google has seen your searches and this is what google's delivering as the number one result this is the number one recommended solution for what you just look for and it can work so you know that's another aspect that you could try very emotional very personalized type of uh, approach there yeah, now, Chris, we have two questions from Peg. Um, I'm going to jump to the ad, or am I, Chris? Did you want to do that one, Chris? Live live editing on here on the show. Um, well, technically, what uh, what I... W- oh, never mind. I, I was reading too far. My bad. Live editing again. I'm going to edit myself. I wanted to... Um, what I wanted to do was add on a, a question uh, from Peg from Chicago, uh, who is a big fan of the show. We appreciate her. And uh, she sends in great questions. So I wanted to throw in one that she... Peg, just so you know, I every week I just fantasize about firing Chris and bringing you on. <laughs> and uh, you and me. Because this guy... It's a lot of, I'm a lot know, of some trouble. Some days I'm just like... Yeah. Who is this guy? Who... He's high maintenance, yeah. you know? He's You guys don't see it before the show, but the, <laughs> kind of the, the star diva attitude I had to put up with. I'm, I've been listening to music. I'm high energy. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. And then I come on here, and it's a freaking sob story, and I got to I gotta perk him up. Um, and then he gets on the show and acts like it doesn't happen at all. He's like, <laughs> hey, I'm guys. Oh, yeah. I'm super happy. Yeah, no. So anyway. Um, so what do you have going Back on? to Peg. So. I wanted to tag this in because this is a great add-on question to uh, Bruce's question. So Peg from Chicago asks, can you meaningfully test ads in low traffic campaigns? Should you really wait six months to get results from your own test or forget testing two ads against each other and just let the whole system optimize? I thought that was a great add-on question because... This is a, a great point because we're assuming that you have any kind of significant results. And what do you think about low traffic campaigns? You know, I mean, I mean, honestly, do you do traffic, to, you know, to ad testing to stuff that gets maybe a couple clicks a month? No, that whenever I hear about trying to force stuff onto low volume campaigns, all I can picture is like marriage counseling sessions where some person's not going to change and it's all pointless and you either need that. to accept them or just get on with it, get a divorce and go, get out there on the dating scene and just, uh, you know, have some margaritas and have a, have a night on the town and meet some new folks. You know what I'm saying, Chris? Um, because here's the thing. If you have a low volume industry area, whatever, 
you can talk about ad testing, you can talk about bidding, you can talk about all this stuff. Some clients go, hey, why is it slow today? And then I slap them and I go, because it's slow. And they like it. It depends where you slap them, Chris. Right. But I go, I go, it's just slow. And the thing I always compare it to, and then when I do this, it, it kind of shuts them up. I go, it's like the weather. Can't control the weather. Mm-hmm. We're doing everything we can. We scheduled a soccer game outside. Okay, it's lightning and, and thunderstorms and all that. We can't play. Well, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? We're not going to do anything because it it's lightning outside and we can't control that. So look to me, look, volume is like the weather. You, It is what it is. So when you talk about ad testing and peg, we see the uh, beautiful screenshot you sent in here. We're talking, you know, it... If, if there's just not an, enough volume, then what I do, Chris, I don't really test a bunch of ads. What I do is I just throw in ads. I let them get volume. And then if you're only getting like a thousand impressions a year or whatever, well, then I get in there. You can get in there on that random campaign once a year, see what's working, see what's not, pause the ones that aren't, throw in some new ads to try. The one thing you can do if you don't like your click-through rate, you can keep subbing in ads and see if you can get one to kind of work. But again, it's a low volume thing. There's just not not much you can do. So I would say if you're in super low volume and you can't get, it takes you a while to get 100 impressions on one ad, then that's kind of my threshold. I always look at Chris, yeah. 100 impressions. Yeah. Um, if it takes a while, then that's the while that it takes. And you just have to see what the data comes in as and do this testing process, but just on a pretty sure, I think I'm right here, Chris, on a, just a slow yeah. Basis. Oh, absolutely. Whenever those impressions come in, I mean, you can throw in a bunch and see if they get one click on sixteen impressions and stuff like that. But it, it's such. I mean, it's such a small sample size. Can, but. Are you really going to test it? You know. And then the other thing is, okay, so you got one click on sixteen impressions, like it's one. What click, that? Pr- like, yeah. So it's low volume. Yeah. So, so I would not. I would just have good ads in there. Have a number of them. Three to seven is what I look for. Uh, usually and just see see how they go so chris uh peg had another question about audiences she did and she asks on what basis does one choose to make an audience bid adjustment for a single or excuse me for a lead gen campaign the audience attachment that she sends us shows a year's worth of data should i make small adjustments based on the conversion rate maybe but the numbers are small because they were added mid-year. So they're, you know, are they really significant? Should I look at those with the most conversions? Should I leave this alone because of in- inadequate data? Jason, let's go. Last thing, and and before Jason gives his phenomenally well-thought-out answer, I'm going to tell you guys, uh, you can get your answers to everything that you ever wanted to know at optio.com slash PSP. You have relationship questions, optio.com slash PSP. And you'll find absolutely no help there, but they will help you with your Google ads. That's what they're about. They're they're not going to help you with your girlfriend. Jason is not going to help you with your live-in friend. It's, it's going to help you with their Google ads campaign. So you want to get a six-week extended trial. We talk about it. They keep advertising on the podcast because people keep discovering their tool here. And because they keep liking it, it guys, the, you're the audience that, that are trying to reach because this tool is designed for you. It's designed for this purpose. It's designed for people who are thinking about their campaigns. This is not automation. This is not click it and forget it kind of stuff. This is, hey, you're smart. Look at this information we found. Make the best decision for it. Hey, you have multiple clients. 
You have a ton of clients. You're incredibly successful. Look at this data we found about all your 15, 16, 2400 clients. Make a decision on a quick time scale. Boom, you're done. Get it done quick. Optio.com slash PSP. Jason, hit us. Thanks, Chris. And yeah, so um, what we're talking about here is a search campaign. Happens to be a lead generation campaign. And first of all, we're on the audience's page. And what Peg has done, she just deserves kudos and just a lot of congratulations for doing what she did. She added a bunch of audiences to the search campaign, but she added them at the targeting setting of observation. And I believe the alternative would be targeting. targeting yeah. So adding them at observation means she has nothing to lose. Observation with no bid adjustment means they're not affecting her campaign in any way, but she's getting data, more data than she would if she didn't add them, but it's not affecting her campaign in any way. So there's everything to gain by getting this information, but there's nothing to lose. It doesn't impact your campaign. So really it should be standard on all search campaigns to be adding audiences uh, under the observation level just to see what they come in as. Now, the question is, what do you do when you get that information, Chris? Um, what I'm looking at are two things. When I look at my audience's page, trying to figure out if I want to do bid adjustments on them. I'm looking at my cost and my clicks, and I'm looking at my conversion rate. Cost and clicks, what I mean by that is I'm looking at my volume. If I have one click and it's a fraction of a percent of my budget for that month, it doesn't mean anything to me because maybe like it's just not statistically significant. So I'm not going to make decisions based on a small amount of data. But if I am getting a lot of clicks on a certain audience, if I am spending a good portion of the budget, then it merits a decision. And how do I make that decision whether to increase the bid or Chris take a drastic step, which I rarely hardly ever take, which would be breaking an audience into another search campaign and targeting only that audience. Theoretically, you could do that. I don't even think I've done that. But if something really performed good, you could do that and then exclude it on the existing one and only target it on the other one. But generally, it's more about bid adjustments. How do I make that decision? Assuming there's volume to make a decision on it, it's a conversion rate column, Chris. If something is getting a really, really good conversion rate and that's leading to a nice cost per conversion, then you can increase the bid adjustment, get more from that audience, get more conversions. And if something is not performing well with a really low conversion rate, you can lower the bid adjustment to, to uh, account for that lower conversion rate. Now, what's a good conversion rate? Good cost per conversion depends on your account. What's statistically significant depends on your account. My biggest piece of advice, Chris, is to just be careful when you're doing this. Because I've made audience adjustments. I've made demographic adjustments, which are similar. And I was not right on how much data I needed. And it kind of screwed up my campaign. So what I want to know from you, Chris, because I think you're probably doing this audience observation more than I am, because I heard about this from you. What What's your first move when you go, oh, that's a nice cost per conversion. That's a, that's some nice volume to make a decision on. You pull up that bid adjustment column. What do you do? Is it 5%? Is it 10%? For me, well, I learned from you. I, I always have you and your voice in my head. Man, let's just keep scratching oh, yeah. each other's backs here beautiful. all afternoon. I like oh. this. So 
I don't make small adjustments. I make bigger adjustments. I, I pop a 25%, 30% bid on that. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get somewhere, and I'm going to get somewhere quick. I'm not going to do little five pansy percents, you know. So that I learned from you. Now, as far as what I do on something like this, I rarely bid down. I tend to bid up on these because I don't want to make the assumption that, uh, you know, one entire audience is bad. You know, I don't block an entire audience. I don't do a negative 100. I don't do a negative anything. I'll usually bid up. Now, where I find that I'll bid down is at the keyword level. I'll make micro decisions about keywords because that's how they're searching. But at the audience level, if I find my search terms are good, and they're in this certain audience, it's worth bidding up. But if they're, if my search terms are good and this is a bad audience, I don't really make any assumptions there. I just think, well, that's just, you know, that, the, that's just the only, the only one that comes to mind is uh, if there's some kind of job seeker audience and you don't want those people clicking that's, on your yeah. non-job campaign. Yeah, but, but, but that's, I like but that, Chris. But and that's the a thing keyword about- problem. To be clear, that's a keyword problem. I don't think that's an audience problem. Doesn't have to be. I mean, so if people, if you get a whole bunch of people that are in a job seeker, you're, no, say you're, you're targeting on the wrong keyword keywords. marketing agency. Say you're a marketing agency and you're targeting keyword marketing agencies in Dallas because uh-huh. you want to get in front of potential clients. You could get some people searching for jobs, you know, uh, looking okay. around on that keyword. Okay, that's true. But that's why that's a tough niche. But you know, oh yeah, that's a that's. Talk about click fraud and, or, you know, just super high click through rates and, uh, you know, just fake conversions. A lot of informational searches. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah that's rough. Uh, Chris, the thing about doing a 30% bid adjustment, 40%, 50%, 100% if you really like your cost per conversion and you want to see what happens. The thing about doing that that's nice with bid adjustments, you can always go back. You can make a little note in your account, and then if it if the data starts getting worse, you can lower that bid adjustment. So I think having that flexibility in place is uh, it's a good thing to do. Well, Chris, that brings us to the end of today's episode. I want to thank everyone for sending in their questions. PaidSearchPodcast.com on the contact page. We will be here every week, Mondays and Thursdays. We appreciate you all sharing the show, and we'll see you next time on the next episode of the Paid Search podcast.